you're on welcome back to nobody cares about dad virtual social this week as ever joined by my co-host ad ad how are you i'm good thank you i'm very well you yeah good thanks a bit a bit sunburnt from from uh, being sat outside all day but yeah yeah pretty good uh, and uh this week we're blessed to be joined all the way from vancouver by author lifestyle coach mentor Di Manuel. Hey Di, guys. Hello, hey. hello from the other side of the pond. Uh, yeah, it's it's going well, you know. It's uh, I'm stoked to be here, you know, talking to a couple of fellow dads, some brothers in arms. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's great. I, I'm super excited just to 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 be part of this conversation. I, I love what you guys are doing, the themes that you're speaking to, specifically as fathers, being a father. I can tell you, you know, when I became a dad 18 years ago for the first time. I got to tell you, I, I sure wish there was better support materials out there, yeah. let alone communities or just people talking about this stuff, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm just, I'm happy beer. Thanks, guys. No, no, no thank like, you. Like, like I say, really pleased to sort of have you on. We're a pretty brand new show. I mean, we, we, we started January. I think was the or, or the end of the start the beginning of February was the first podcast. Actually, AD was my first one-on-one -on -one interview that I did. <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah, we were just like so. Me and AD have known each other since college, and then um, we we our first interview. We we're like, actually, it was just quite a good conversation. Why don't we just do more <laughs> of this as a group? Um, so that's sort of how it was. It, and it initially started as a sort of one-on-one -on -one with dads telling that parental journey, but from hmm. the dad's side, you know, the side right. that rarely, rarely ever gets talked about. Um, but it just started to pivot more into a generalist chat around mental health, wellness, self-improvement. And we'd literally just started to have a look for people that would be look a little bit more interesting. We signed up to Matchmaker FM. And then I came across your uh, talk on Superhuman. And I actually shared it with AD. And I was like... We've got to get. We've got to get this guy. We've got to get this guy on the podcast. <laughs> it was just. The, it was the title alone that got me. Super yeah, right. Human. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Right. Well, we're all working towards being super dads, right? So <laughs> yeah. uh, that little human piece. Yeah, yeah. But the dad piece, right? Like that trumps everything else. So it's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's super cool. I'm glad that uh, you guys had an opportunity to watch. I don't know if you caught the newest TED talk. I just did a TED talk as well and uh, talked about vulnerability as a man. Uh, yeah. touched down on my fatherhood experience as well on that because there's been some some pretty big learnings along the way you know so uh I, i'd love to share that with you guys as well later but uh it's yeah. all good it's all good because yeah that's actually one of my points and i i like what you said you said you because we talk about this quite a lot and you talk about um the vulnerability isn't a isn't a woman thing it's a human thing yeah. and um that's just this whole we talk about this a lot, don't we, Eddie? Bravado of a man. It's like, no, you have to be this big, strong, masculine person. And to show emotion, you're soft and weak. It's pure and stereotype, it, isn't it? It's pure yeah. stereotype. Um, yeah. It becomes part of your label as such. Mm -hmm. it's, it's your label. And especially as a as a dad, mm -hmm. you know, it's you have to be. You have to be the strong protector, the provider, everything. And it's that misconception. People just think you can just brush everything off. <laughs> but actually, the more times you slope your shoulder, it's heavy. It's heavy mm. to pick back up. That's true. Um, but like you said, it's that vulnerability. You know, you. Mm. I think it makes you superhuman to be able to show <laughs> that vulnerability because, it, you know, I think this day and age now, men especially are starting to show more emotion. We're starting to talk about it more. And I think 
I think the change is coming. I think it's happening because hmm. we speak to we speak to people like every week, and yeah. it's it's crazy how much you learn from somebody when when you're listening to them, and they go, "Yeah, you know, I've held my hands up a couple of times and said that I need help." Yes, because it's something you forget about. It's it's like again, Marco's point. It's that bravado of being That's a right. man. Um, but it's amazing, amazing hearing everyone's journey. <laughs> Well, and I, I, you know, I'll commend you guys because sort of what you're doing is very much showing that there is, well, one, it's okay, it's safe, and and but you're role modeling the behavior, right? And and I think that was the biggest thing that I learned when started running men's groups. You know, it's like nonprofit; they're free to attend, but we we do them every Monday night, and uh, they're at. We have four different times. It's actually the UK groups meeting like right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, and it's super cool because men come together. We meet on Zoom Monday nights. We call it Mentorship Mondays. Mentorship mm-hmm. <laughs> Mondays. So it's just for men. And uh, what I noticed was when we started to, to invite people, because guys would often show up because a buddy would show up and they say, man, you got to come check out this group. It's been like life changing and meeting some great dudes. I think you'll really like it. But they, that's about all they'll say, right? So you get these new guys that show up to a men's group for the first time and they're like, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> you, you can tell like they're just a little bit. I don't know if this is for me. And and what's super interesting and what I've noticed time and time again is all it takes is for that first person to go. The mm-hmm. first person to go, to be vulnerable, to share a story, share something that's real for them, something that might not be a struggle, could even be a win. I mean, even as men, sometimes we're afraid to talk about the good things that are going on in our lives because we're worried that the other guy is going to think that we're bragging. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, pounding our chest, but it's, you know, when my friends do something great, I want to celebrate that with them. I want to celebrate them and all the hard work that it took to get to that point. I'm not here thinking, Oh, why not me? You know, cause that's, it's really often we, we, we feel apprehensive about being completely honest, even about the good things in our life. So when I'm referring to vulnerability, I'm not talking just about the hard stuff. I'm talking about the good stuff too, right? Like why can't we have an open dialogue as men and be able to celebrate the good stuff in our lives together too. And, and, and so all it takes is one guy to go first. And once he yeah. goes first, it gives everybody else permission. So you know, you guys are doing that with your show, right? Like you are going first. You're showing it's okay to have these conversations. And look, nothing bad happens when you do. You know, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting. Do you know? It's funny you say because we I've had this conversation quite a few times about the difference in mentality across the ponds, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. In, in America, so I, I found it, and I'm I'm probably being very stiff stereotyping here and generalizing everybody it's just my experience like you know uh, over that side if you do something well mm. um, people will look at you and be like oh how did you do that like, well done, like you know very much how did you do that like if you're driving a ferrari someone will be like oh, how did he get that whereas mm. over here in england it's very much look at that prick <laughs> 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 That is what it's like. Here. Isn't that right, AD? Like you see somebody who's doing well, flat, and you just think, "Oh, look at that dick." And that's such a yeah. British mentality to have. It's to that instant like... jealousy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Instant that's jealousy, right. and that yeah. you you personally think, "Well, no, I should have that." But like, if you've mm. got that, why haven't I got that? But you're right. It's over that side of the water. It's very much a um, people want to learn from it. People want to mm. to know your story, how you got that, 
over here, we don't care how you got it. We're just annoyed you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, to be fair, I don't know if that's just a, a, a you know, a UK thing. I, I think it, it's very common. Uh, just, uh, you know, and I hate to generalize again, I try not to generalize. Um, but I, I know from my own personal experience, especially growing up, you know, in my twenties and my thirties. Yeah. I, I would, often get very i don't know if i would call it jealous but you know you, you get upset like you, you almost feel some animosity towards other men or at least i would feel animosity towards other yeah. men when they would start talking about all the good things that are happening for them i'd be like hmm well you know you're kind of bragging here you're kind of being a dick like yeah. you know why, why are you talking about that you know like but i used to you know even when i would meet men for the first time like it was amazing how quickly I would start judging things in my head with, without even talking to them first. Right. Yeah. You size them up, you look at them, you're like, Oh, I don't know, man, you're, you're, you, you're potentially an enemy. I, I don't know if I can be open <laughs> with you. I don't know if I want to like you yet. Like just this, this barrier, invisible barrier that I would put up all the time when I would meet new men and, and never really get to know them. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I find myself in my thirties going through a big lifestyle change and I'm like, I don't really feel like I have any friends, you know, and, and that was a scary place to be. And when I started to say, well, why do I feel that way? And I start to look at how I interact with specifically other men. I mean, I was always protecting myself, shielding myself. I would only let in as much information as I wanted. I was worried that anything I'd share might get it used against me. So there's this just fear. There's just a lot of fear of, of actually being open and honest and letting other men see who I am. And yeah. Holy smokes, it's tough to be there. And I, you know, I'm not alone. You, you look at some of the research that's out there. I mean, Mark, you're sharing some pretty amazing statistics with me before we started uh, today's conversation around mental health and, and dads in particular in the UK. I don't know if you've have you talked about that on the, the show. Have yeah, you yeah. That? Oh, man. Yeah, so the, I, I was just I was saying before, AD, about how 75% of males in the UK, 75% of all su of suicides in the UK are men. But 33% of those are new dads. And was that something we've talked about quite a bit? So we're, we're doing quite we're doing quite a lot of challenges this year, Di, for, for yeah. mental health for charity. Um and we're we're raising money for calm, which is a mental which is a, a, a charity that um combats suicide. And so I'm, I've, we've done a couple of like we've done like a war zone tournament, like an online Call of Duty war zone tournament where we had like a hundred yeah. guys oh, play wow. in. And then we've, we're doing a, a charity bike ride in the summer where we're going from Dover to Newquay, which is like 350 miles Whoa. over, over okay, three days. A, that's great. That's a haul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, good for you guys. That's great. So, so yeah, we're, we're going to try and do a bit. But yeah, that, that was a statistic we were talking about just before. Right, okay. Yeah. And it's, you, you'd say it's worrying, but when when you look out there, when you open, when you genuinely open your eyes, and you look at single dads or, or new dads, um, like I say, especially first-time dads, there's there's like this glazed look and you think, you know, you're just on autopilot and it's that, that modern question of, you know, are you okay? And we, we, we're very good at going, yep, we're good. Like everything's fine. But it's now about learning the signs behind that. Mm. And when somebody is saying, yeah, we're good, you can tell. Like you can tell. And if you goes back to your point on vulnerability, if, if you show a bit of vulnerability yourself, you get that acceptance mm -hmm. and, you know, and people start opening up and that's what we found on these shows. Hey, Marco, it's about people start opening up to us and going through their stories. And 
something they probably would never do. Like we're complete strangers, but they, they see that vulnerability in us. We're open and honest. And then they start opening and you can see the change in them. You can yes. see the change because it's that old tale, you know, a, a problem shared problem halved. Yeah. And it very much is it's, you know, if we can help one person, we've accomplished everything we we set out to do. And that's, that's the bottom line. Oh, man, I love that. We're getting so much buy-in and it's, it's brilliant. I've had people contact me, um, you know, after shows and things, messaging saying, I never knew that. I never knew <laughs> that people would go through such things because I've done it. I thought I was alone. Hmm. And it's because we're, we're very good at, at men that are going, no, nah, we're good. We're fine. As soon as we close that door. It's just that, 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 and I'm sure you'll, coming on to this, I'm sure you'll, you'll ex explain this feeling that you, you've probably had this yourself, Di, where, you know, when you, when you have that weight lifted off your shoulders sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, that's what, the, when some of these people are opening up and, and having those, being able to share their emotion, they sometimes feel like that, that weight being lifted off you. It's just like, I, I, I had it in it with a job. So I got made redundant last year. And mm. I was, I, I, you know, I, I hated it. I should have quit. I, I didn't. But um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the day they told me I was being made redundant, I, la I laughed at the person. I laughed at the person telling me. And I walked out of the office and just the sense of freedom that I got from that. I set on my own <laughs> business since then and, you know, we've done great. But just that having that weight lifted off your shoulder was, was just life-changing. Really. Actually, it did. It changed my life because... You know, who I was 12, and I've written about this on a couple of blogs, but who I was sort of 12 months ago, where I was always looking inwards at myself and what I wanted to do and all this. And I've, I now I'm looking outwards and I'm trying to help and do that sort of thing. So it was just a real life changing thing for me. Hmm. But, um, and I'm sure, you know, you went from a corporate job dying to, I guess we'll, we'll get onto that, but you went from a corporate job into a, a completely different world. And I'm, and I'm sure. That was probably similar for you, although concerning, right? But you also had that feeling of relief. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, well, and you know, again, it's it's how we look at change. I think that is the the big issue. You, you know, as I know, I used to be someone that would fight change. Any changes, I I rarely would believe it was a good thing. You know, like especially anything that might involve really big change and and my role in it. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, leaving a stable career, a stable income where, you know, of 17 years, yeah, there, there was a lot of safety there, right? There was a lot of confidence that, well, I could just keep doing this for forever. I don't foresee the company was stable. My role was stable. Like, but I wasn't really happy. There was other things that I really wanted to do that my family wanted to do, you know, and, and, and it, it, you know, you come to a point where you start to realize, okay, well, this is the path I'm on. Feels really good to be here. Feels really safe. I know this, but now, well, you know, every day there's, it's like that little nagging itch. You know, we get those little itches every once in a while. And, and if you can't itch it, it's like, all you can do is like, you think about it. It's there. You know, it's there. It's getting annoying. And it's like, gosh, when am I going to just deal with that itch and, and actually do something about it? You know, and, and and I think what eventually happens, we either learn to just ignore it entirely and just live with the itch. or We get to a point where we just can't bear it any longer. We know we got to itch it and we got to make a change. And and I think when I when I think back on some of my most 
trying changes, some of the biggest changes I've I've lived through in my life. And we all have these moments. You know, those moments where you feel like you've come to a fork in the road. I can go left or I can go right. But th there was no question. I couldn't stay as I was anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I could try to just keep going this direction. But I know that things won't be as easy as they are right now. Just give you an idea. Like I was morbidly obese as a teenager. You know, like I got a really big kid. Don't feel sorry for me. I got there all on my own. <laughs> you know, I ate a lot of very nutrition poor food, played a ton of video games. And, and really for about five years, I was very inactive and yet ate <laughs> calories like I was a professional athlete. So, you know, <laughs> uh, lots of calories, low activity. I, I grew <laughs> outward. And you know, I remember getting to a point where I was battling with suicidal thoughts. I was battling with a lot of mental health as well as physical challenge as a result of some of the stigmas I was battling as that morbidly obese teen. And, you know, I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, by the time I'm 25 years from now, it isn't going to be any easier than it is right now. Or I could go do something completely different, something that I have no former training in. I have no knowledge on how to get healthy, how to get well. You know, as a 14 year old boy, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And that scares the crap out of me. Yeah. And yet I'll tell you one little thing. And, and then I, I like to hear if this relates it, it, to you guys, you know, like just at some of the big changes that you've gone through, especially Mark, what you went through with your career in the last year, you know, like you get to this point where all of a sudden you realize I'm more afraid of staying the same than I am of the idea of changing. And I think when we get to that place, we know we're ready for a big change. You know, like yeah. we may not know how to do it, but we're pretty confident that we know why we want to do it. And because of that, we just lean in and we figure it's going to be as hard as heck. It's going to be scary. There's going to be lots of growth, lots of learning, probably a lot of mistakes made along the way. But we're still less afraid of that than the idea of just staying as we are, staying unhealthy. Like, so me staying as that morbidly obese fat kid, I was more afraid of that than I was of any potential change. And that's when I knew I was ready for a change, you know? And I've seen this repeated a few times in my life when I've come to those moments where I'm like, ugh, am I ready to make a change? Do I want to make a change? Well, yeah, I do. But man, I have no idea how to do it. It's scary. You know, especially like leaving a career 17 years, I'm going to pull my kids out of school. We're going to start traveling. What are we going to do for money? <laughs> How are we going to do this? You know, you start to, there's a lot of fear, uh, but we'll come back to that. So I, I don't know. Like, can you guys relate to that? Like, what do you think? Yeah, de well, definitely. It, it's, I mean, for you, for you at 14, making that decision is just incredible because it's only you who can decide that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, definitely relate to that, that, that point you come to where you go. Yeah. If I continue down this path, it's not great. It's not great at all, but you, you get comfortable. You get comfortable. You do. You know, it's, it's what you know, and it's it becomes a habit. Mm, you know, and it's fear of the unknown, isn't it? 100%. 100%. And it's making that first step of when you say to yourself, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change. <clears throat> whether it's career, whether it's lifestyle, diet, everything. When, when you decide yourself, because you, you, know, you can be told every day by somebody, no, 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 you should be doing this or you should be eating that. People can tell you, but you have to decide to do it. 
Yes. But I think as well, it really it depends what you listen to in terms of outside influence. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, we set the business up literally 12 months ago. And, but for two or three years before, we were talking about doing it. But and then, you know, you, you know, you have people around you going, oh, yeah, but, you know, all businesses, most businesses fail within their first 12 months. And, oh, you know, you've got a good job. I did have I had a really good career. You know, I'd worked in the same sort of industry for 10 years and built my way up quite high. And, <laughs> you know, the grass isn't always greener. And <laughs> so you have all these outside influences. And a lot of and that just, for a lot of people that just crushes them and says, that's right. Oh, yeah, I'll just stay what I'll stay doing what I'm doing then. And then, you, you know, it's that like you said, you know, you'll do the job that you you know you can do, but it's not fulfilling you any other way. And I think have to, we spend one third of our life in work. So why spend one third of your time doing the job you hate? You know, yeah. that's a lot of your life. So do that's something right. you love. Do something you enjoy. Like I, I've talked about this, I talk about this a lot in, in a couple of blogs and videos that I've done where I say, like, are, you the, are you the kind of person that – when the alarm clock rings on a Monday morning, you turn it off and you don't want to get out of bed and you take that journey to work, you know, with trepidation driving down the road, like, oh, I really don't want to be in. Or are you the kind of person that jumps out of bed and goes, yeah, let's get in, let's attack the week. Because if you're not that kind of person, then you're not doing the job that you should be. <laughs> How's that work for working at home? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was on the beach today. I got off, went to the beach. <laughs> As my alarm goes off and I think, Oh, I've got to go make breakfast. Like, oh no. <laughs> but it is that it is. I get, I get it. It's um, it, it comes down to that point again. It, you're the only one that can make the change. And it almost sounds that when people are saying to you, "Ah, oh, yeah," but most businesses fail within their first twelve months, and it's almost like that hint of jealousy that we spoke about earlier. You know, you're you're about to step out and do your own thing, be your own boss. Mm-hmm. You know, take control. Not many people like that because they either haven't got, let's put it bluntly, they haven't got a set of balls to do it themselves or they're, they're comfortable, they're happy. They're happy doing their Monday nine to five. If that's for them, brilliant. If they're happy yeah. and they're content, brilliant. But to be negative yeah. and try and sway you, like you said, outside influence. Do, do, one of one of my first questions was going to be how did you start your your um fitness journey because I, mm. I have seen that photo there's you online there's a photo of you mm. i think at 14 where you're yeah you know you're, you're a bigger bigger lad bigger um, boy, <laughs> bigger boy. <laughs> but how did how did you start was it literally just a something in your head that said i've got to change this or was there any outside influences pushing you to change it other than the people giving you the negative stereotypes was there mm. anyone encouraging you to go and do something like how did that how did you how do you go from the couch potato to into shape and and doing what you did you know it, it's really interesting because my, my parents were very supportive they they, they had separated and, and eventually divorced um so i i would my brother and i would often spend uh every other weekend so every two weeks we, we'd go to my dad's place for a couple nights and and that was just the routine so my mom was was left raising my brother and i and uh, but also she was having to work full time to support us. Uh, my dad was great. He was still a provider as well. But, uh, you, know, you know, we didn't see him. His was more financial support. Uh, it wasn't necessarily any of the other traditional supports uh, that we would have. You know, you know, when you think father and child, there's certain aspects that we get used to or, or expect. And and so our, our relationship was was limited based on that right? That limited interaction and, and, and so forth. But 
one thing I got to say about my parents is they, they always wanted my brother and I to be happy. You know, I think as parents, that's sort of a, I, I like to think it's a given, you know, it's just an absolute that of course, for our children, we want nothing but happiness for them, right? We want them to have a great life. We don't want them to have a sad life. No one would wish that upon anybody, you know, but especially our own kids. And, and because of that, that unconditional love, you know, they used to often support, well, they would encourage me, <laughs> you know, like, why don't we get you a gym membership? Why don't uh, we get you a personal trainer? Maybe we, we go see a dietitian. We'll take you to the doctor. We'll find out. Like, so a lot of the ways that they were trying to support me was gearing me to go do things to help me with my health. But you got to understand at age 14 or 13, you know, especially when they, you know, from age 12 to 14, they were always trying to, to invite me to do certain things. But every time they would come at me with a suggestion or recommendation or an invitation, uh, I would take it as a personal attack. You know, I'm like, listen, you think I'm fat. You think I'm ugly. You think I'm not good enough. That's why you want me to change. You know, so like I would be very just a little a bit of animosity, right? Just animosity. I get upset. And, and I mean, a lot of us feel this way at times. I mean, you think about it, even in our closest relationships, like I get it. We want to try to fix things for people. I know that, that that's something that I've always tried. And I realize people don't necessarily want to be fixed because that sort of implies that they're broken. Yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And, and I don't believe any of us are broken. And, you know, I, that, that's another conversation entirely. But but what happened was, is, is that morning where this all went down and for some reason I had this shift mentally and, and, and emotionally and, and to be quite honest, spiritually as well. And right down to the physical, like there was an actual physical shift in my body that day where, you know, I just, came to a realization. I broke down and, and lost it in front of the mirror after getting out of the shower. And I won't go into the whole story with you guys, but bottom line is I, I just, I lost it. Like uncontrollable sobbing and just, I remember locking eyes on my, my naked body after getting out of the shower. I'm toweling off and I'm just like, who is this guy? Who is this guy that's looking back at me in this mirror? I, I don't know who he is, but I can tell you, I hate him. It's disgusting. And just the, the the words and the thoughts that were coming to my mind is not anything that any of us would want to wish on anybody else, nor ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yet that's where I was. A lot of anger, a lot of sadness. <laughs> and, and you know, it, it, it was weird. But in that moment, you know, I started reconciling certain things. And I, and I started to realize that, you know what, the only person that's to blame for getting this way and for making this my reality was me. I stopped poking fingers at everybody else, right? Trying to blame my parents, trying to blame their divorce, you know, trying to just blame anything but myself, right? Like no ownership whatsoever. And uh, all of a sudden I realized, you know, no one's going to help me change. I got to do this myself. And uh, I came out of that bathroom just not knowing how. <laughs> I had no idea. But I remember coming out and, and finding my dad and just being like, dad, I want to get healthy. I want to get fit. I, I don't want to be like this anymore. And he must have seen something in me because that afternoon we went out and bought me a mountain bike. I wanted a bike because it was something I could do privately. I didn't have to go to a gym to exercise. You didn't have to do it around my house to have other family members seeing me do it. Like I wanted something that could be on my own, my own pace. Just And, and I always remembered I loved cycling as a kid. So it seemed like a natural step for me, something easy to do. 
And uh, so besides just going out and riding my bike every day, getting that daily movement, I started to change how I ate. And I went to the library. I got books out on this stuff. My kids, they're still laughing at it because they're like, why don't you just Google it, Dad? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm older than Google, you know? <laughs> and uh, But that's how it got started. But thankfully, and I, I have to give it to my parents, to my friends, to the communities that I was a part of, or at least started to become a part of after wanting to make that change, was th that there was a lot of support there to help me along. Because not every day is a good day, right? There was a lot of challenges along the way, a lot of new learnings, a lot of personal issues. And when I say personal issues, just the mental health sides of things, right? Mm -hmm. But with that support, it just saw change start to happen really gradually. It took 20 months, guys, like 20 months to, to get to a point where I felt like, wow, I've got a new lifestyle and, and my physicality and my emotional maturity. Like a, a lot of things shifted for me over those 20 months, almost two years. But that's sort of how it got started, right? Like that, that was it. And um, just so you know, like the biggest external motivator for me at the time was I just wanted a girlfriend. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I wanted to be wanted. <laughs> I wanted to be wanted, you yeah. know, like bottom line, I wanted a girl, a girlfriend. I wanted to have a relationship with somebody, you know, I wanted someone to love me, you know, and want me. And I know there's a lot to unpack and that's kind of a statement, but that's really what was happening to me at that time. And uh, yeah, so anyways, that's, that's sort of how everything got started, you know, but it, it shifted everything and sort of set the stage for well, what unfolded over the next 30 years. I was going to ask what, from obviously toweling off at 14, looking at yourself yeah. and having that emotion, what, how long did it take for you to, before you were toweling off again, looking at yourself thinking, I'm, I'm happy with where I've come to? I'd say like within as little as like literally a month and a half, two months, I started oh. to be able to physically notice the differences. You know, I could start seeing like, let alone my pants fit differently, right? Like they were practically yeah. falling off my hips. My, my shirts and all that became really, really baggy, you know, but also my performance just in basic things that I would normally do that would be hard. Like in my high school, a lot of my classes were on the third floor. You'd have to walk up three flights of stairs. I remember getting up those stairs. I'd have a light sweat building and I'd be huffing and puffing. And I can remember like within just a matter of months, I could run up those stairs and I wouldn't be huffing and puffing. You know, I could bend over and tie my shoes, you know, like on my own. I didn't have to like try to get my foot propped up on a chair and, and all this weird, like just little, little tiny things, but little things that I just took for granted, you know, and all of a sudden these things became easier. And, and, and that's when I started to really realize, holy smokes, change is happening, but it's happening because I'm putting some work in. I'm actually doing something to produce these results. And, and so that was like the biggest sort of shifts that started to happen. And, and, and it's what kept me going, you know, like we all need to have wins. We all need to feel like we're winning, like we're seeing progress. Because when we see the progress, we get excited, but then we realize that what we're doing is not in vain. Like it's not just something that we're doing for the sake of doing it. We're actually doing it with the intention of creating a positive change or an adaptation. You know, we're really, we're trying to evolve. And, uh, and that's when I realized that, you know, I could be a victim of change or I could start being more of a protagonist of change, right? Like I could start to take more of an active role in the changes that are going to happen in my life. And I realized some are way outside my control. I can never influence, but I can influence how I react to those 
right? Mm -hmm. Those yeah. changes. Uh, but there are a lot of changes that we can create for ourselves on our own. And, but it takes a lot of effort because it involves doing something that usually is either fearful or afraid of, or it's something that we're completely foreign to and we have no idea of how to do it. So it affects our confidence in ourselves and our confidence in just taking action. And, and so there's a, there's a bunch of stuff to unpack there, but at the end of the day, just trust a process, trust that you can do it. And I know it sounds almost, I don't know, I'm not trying to go way out there to the, the, the sort of, um, I try not to use language that's too, Woo, woo you know what i mean like i i like to look more at the science of change and there's a lot of science that backs that we can do this and and i bet you guys have worked through lots of big changes in your life already and if you look back at how the change happened you probably realize it's because you started doing something very specific you didn't do it just once you didn't do it just twice it was something that you started to implement regularly and based on that effort it started to produce certain results certain changes well you did that you did that and so getting to that point where all of a sudden you realize like, holy smokes, I'm the one that's creating this great change in my life. It's pretty powerful, right? Because we can repeat that process again and again and again. It's those, those small wins. Like you said, yeah. you know, you, you started to, your clothes started to fit differently. You could walk up a flight of stairs. You could tie your own, silly as it sounds, tie your own shoe without having to prop your leg up. It's anything, especially in the fitness world. So fitness journey. Mm -hmm. Obviously, lockdown and everything has been like a, a game changer for, for most people. Everyone's done workouts at home and, and all this. And it's those, I think it, probably human nature, we, we expect things to be like that, instant. Mm -hmm. Right, I, I want to I change. I want to be, you know, I want to look a certain way. So I'm going to start mm -hmm. working out. After the first week, people go, hang on, where's my six pack? Like, why am I not ripped? <laughs> but people don't, you know, you've got to remember it. It's a process, like I said, it's a process. You have to trust trust the process. And in six weeks down the line, you'll see a difference. It might only be a slight difference, but there's a difference. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you're in a routine, you know, you've got that accountability. It's it's making those those changes. I did it in the first lockdown. I, I went online, got an online coach. Nice. Did all this stuff as well as working. But I noticed a massive difference at the end of, I think it was eight weeks, seven, eight weeks. Mm -hmm. I felt great, but I, I stopped because I thought, <laughs> I thought, uh, I'm good now. Like, that's it. I can, I can, I can maintain this, mm. but no reality kicks your ass. <laughs> no, no, you can't. If you don't keep doing that. Yeah. I went, I went the opposite way really. <laughs> I, so like when I, when, when we was in, we were in college together, me and Aidy, you know, I used to, I used to do performing arts, you know, I used to be in theater mm. doing dancing and all that sort of stuff. I used to be super, super fit, super thin. And then uh, I don't even know what happened. Like I, I, I ate all the years in between now and then I think is what happened. <laughs> and uh, But then just before lockdown, so it was like this beginning of December, uh, what, what would that be? 19? yeah we locked yeah. down in march 20 didn't we yeah. so yeah. december 19 i was like i'm this is i'm doing something about this I'm, i need to change my lifestyle and i got to the heaviest i'd ever been i think i was like 17 and a half stone you know i'm only and so you know that's, that's pretty big and then i i worked I, 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 I got to christmas day i was at the gym like that's how much i was into, wow. I was into. nice and then I, by middle of march 20 i'd lost nearly three stone 
Wow. And I was like, my clothes, like you say, clothes start to fit you better. You can walk up the stairs. I can play in the garden with my boy without nearly dying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then lockdown happened. And I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm going to put all the, I brought, you know, weights. I brought an exercise bike. I brought a treadmill. My garden looked like the gym. Like I proper kitted it out. I didn't use it at all. Like mm. I literally stopped and then put the, all the weight started to go back on. And then you start to have the mental health problems, you know, and then, mm. oh, yeah. So for me, it was the, the lockdown was like the worst thing for me. Cause I just felt like I'd had, I started to gain that momentum with that journey. And then, that sort of put the blocks on it. And then what happened was, you know, here we were, I don't know what it was like over there, but we had like three months of solid lockdown at the start where you couldn't leave, virtually you couldn't leave the house. So then yeah. what happens? It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday night on Zoom nights with the boys where you're drinking wine. And yeah. you know, honestly, I'm not, there was one night where I drank three bottles of wine Whoa. on my own <laughs> in the living room. I threw up. Everywhere, like literally everywhere, <laughs> yeah. living room floor. I was so drunk that I tried to clean it up with tissue paper. Just honestly, I came down with my, my, my wife was going mental the next day. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the that was the that was the reality. It was like I, I sort of it, it completely derailed me yeah. to the point where I was like starting to put the weight back on and. Yeah, but I've just taken up cycling, actually. So cycling is what wow, I've, I've really started to, to get back into it with, with that again. Amazing. But uh, cycling's great. Um, do, so well, I was going to ask you, actually, and I don't yeah. know if you'd be able to answer this. Sure. Do you think that the success that you saw from 14 to, I don't know, what, what let's, let's say 20, like, your journey with through being a you, you call it a bit you said it obese yourself it's not, yeah. not insulting you to no, call no, it no no it's all good <laughs> um, through obesity do you think the success you saw through your journey do you think without that you would have took the career that you have within mm. fitness no i i i, I know that it was very it, it, i mean that change that i experienced it, it, there was a couple of things that happened, you, you know, within those those two years as I started to establish this new routine, this lifestyle. And, and when I started to experience friends of my family, like my mom's friends or, or dad's friends, you know, that had seen this transformation of me over a span of two years and they started coming around to visit and they would take time to sit me down and start to talk to me about their health and well-being, specifically what are their habits. Because all of a sudden they saw me as someone that could potentially give them advice or support or to help guide them. And, you know, in my life, that limited period of time that I'd been on the planet by that point, you know, like 17 <laughs> years, I'm here like, wait, you're, you're here to see me? You're here to talk to me? You actually care what I have to say? Like, you know, it was a new experience for me. But all of a sudden, I was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. I can help others start to experience transformations, positive transformations for their life. And, and so that was my first, uh, you know, very informal, but it, it was my first taste of coaching and mentorship. But But not just being on the receiving end of that, but now to be someone that can actually provide that to other people. And, and I was like, I like this. I like it a lot. It makes me feel really good. But it also 
makes other people feel really good too. And I help them start creating these results. So that's what got me into that sort of mindset of, wow, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could be a trainer. Maybe I could be involved in the fitness industry in some capacity. You know, I wasn't hundred percent sure what it would look like. And to be honest, those, there was a number of years where I was just doing all sorts of stuff just because I liked it. And I loved all the stuff. So I would just do it. I would teach spin classes, you know, I do some PT sessions and I used to, to work at the rock climbing gym and I would do like these kids birthday parties where I'd be stuck on the belay rope for an hour, you know, blame kids up and down a wall. I, I was doing all sorts of stuff. I even, I, I, was into martial arts, especially Taekwondo and kickboxing. So I used to teach uh, kids in teen classes, you, you know, and, and do that. And so I did all sorts of stuff in around the fitness space while I was going to school and trying to figure out what do I want to do. And uh, then I got into equipment sales, selling fitness equipment. I went in to buy a heavy bag at a retail store in Vancouver and manager and I got into a conversation and, and she just said, hey, have you ever thought about trying this? And I was like, I don't know, selling fitness. This is retail. I wasn't looking for a retail job, but it was the first time I worked in a position where it was (laughs) commission-based. So Mm -hmm. it was performance-based pay. And and I wasn't used to that. I was like, well, if I work a certain amount of hours, I usually make a certain amount of money. And all of a sudden it was here. It was like, well, the more people you help, the more people you support with creating lifestyle changes, the more money you'll make. And I'm like, really? Seriously? Like that, How's this work? There's no, no, there's no uh, hidden agenda here. There's no, like, you're not fooling here, are you? Because again, at the time I was like 20 years old, right? And, uh, and so I, I started selling fitness equipment while I was still finishing up uh, my schooling. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it because I could have the, the coaching side of things, but I was making more than a personal trainer was from a commission standpoint, you know, on a per hour basis, I was making more than teachers and some junior lawyers were making. And I was like, wow. This is pretty good. I like this. And and that's sort of what I, I leaned into in a big way. And I did that for 17 years, selling fitness equipment, accessories, uh, supplements, apparel, you know, just trying to help people with their own fitness journeys. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the industry. And uh, But, you know, we all grow. We all go through changes. And when we go through those changes, we start to realize that maybe the path we're on has served its purpose, but maybe now it's time for a change. Yeah. So, but that talk- that desire grows too, right? Yeah. So it's mm. like, don't ignore it. It's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So talk to us about that moment then, Dad. What, five, was it five years ago, was it, I think you've said? Was it, was yeah, it it's years- uh, almost six years now, actually. It'll be six years in August um, yeah. that, that, that that big shift happened. But, you know, can you, can you pinpoint a moment where you were like, I'm going to, I'm doing this. Like, I'm, it's, it's yeah. now or never. Well, I won't go into the full backstory, but 11 years ago, and this is sort of the the, the seed of, of what I talk about in the TED Talk. Um, so I won't go into super details, but but ultimately, the, the, to sum it up, I, my my wife sat me. I used to, to abuse alcohol and occasionally narcotics. Like I got into a lifestyle where that was how I dealt with stress and anxiety. I'd have some drinks and, and it just became a very present routine in my life, a normal. It was the normal. It was just like full day at work, helping people. Well, I come home, I help myself. And I'll do that with some some drinks, you know, and it just became very, very easy. And it started to disrupt my quality of life, specifically how I interacted with family and how I could provide for my family. And uh, things were going down the wrong path, if you know what I mean. Like it, it was pretty clear that if I kept doing what I was doing, uh, I was going to end up alone and possibly dead. Like I, I, I it was a pretty dark time. And uh, my wife asked me a question. 
uh, as we were discussing the potential of, of us separating and ultimately divorcing her taking my kids who at the age, their age that 11 years ago, they were four and six. Uh, so two girls, both under the age of seven, uh, you know, here I am building a company and, and just, gosh, guys, it was, it was just hard. You know what life's like when it's just like, Oh my gosh, everything's coming at you. And it's just like, wow, it's overwhelming. My normal action would be, well, just uncork a bottle. It'll be okay. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Right. And, and that was just how I would deal with these, these moments. And, uh, she asked me a question. She said, "Die, are you being the type of man you'd want your daughters to marry? And what I realized was when she asked me that question, I was not being the dad. I was not being the husband. I was not being the father. You know, that I would, trust me, if a guy like me at that time, 11 years ago, showed up on my doorstep saying, hey, we'd like to, to get to know the women of your life. You know, like I, I wouldn't allow them in, man. I, I'd punch them in the nose, kick them in the, the, the yoo-hoo and uh, be like, get out of here. You know, like, because... But that's who I was role modeling. That's what I was saying. This is how a man should be. This is how a father should be. And that's like, I look at my actions at that time, right? And it was like, wow, it was just this realization. But I made a commitment to go one year without drinking. I was just like, I made a commitment to them. I'm going to take one year, no drinking, and we'll see what happens. And, and what I realized that the, those alcohol had become a very big crutch in my life. I learned to function very well with alcohol. Very well. Like... To the point that, you know, uh, you take the alcohol away, those crutches are removed. And I realized, whoa, I got a little bit of dysfunction here. I don't know how to deal with some of these challenges internally, especially the mental health aspects of what I was going through. How to deal with stress, how to deal with anxiety. You know, and no matter how much I worked out, it didn't seem to do the same as what alcohol did, <laughs> right? And because I always hear that people say, oh, just exercise is a great way. It's an alternative. And I'm like, yeah, I already exercise. I'm a pretty fit guy. Yet <laughs> this is how I deal with the mental health challenges. And, and so this during that year, I grew so much because I had to find new association because all my, my, my friends, my mates, right? Like that was how we would interact. It's like, yeah, let's go watch USC in the pub and go play the round of golf. We'll hang out afterwards, you know, like, and it just, it was always super social. And the people that I often hung out with the most, it was often infused with lots of alcohol. And, and all of a sudden I'm left like, well, who do I get around now? Like, what can I do? Like, I, I was just, I was quite lost. And so I found some support. I, I found a psychiatrist. I worked with him for three months. I found like, <laughs> our relationships counselor. I worked with her for like four or five months. I just started doing a lot of personal inner work, you know, just work on me trying to figure out, well, how do I get through this without going to my normal, going to alcohol or to drugs? Like, is there another way? Is there a healthier way to deal with the, these challenges that I'm working through? In that one year, guys, I grew so much just as a person. As a human, I grew a ton. I learned a lot. And I realized after that year, I was like, you know what? I don't need any alcohol. I'm okay. I, I like where this direction's going, where I'm headed right now. I'm not going to add it back in. And I just, I've maintained that. I mean, I've, I've gone 11 years. I'm very confident. I can have a drink today. No problem. I got no, I, I, I don't ever refer to myself as an alcoholic or as being addicted. But I did often value alcohol over the other things that truly mattered in my life. Yeah. It was a value. I just valued one thing over the other. And it's not until I started questioning, well, why do I value this? Why do I put alcohol up here on this pedestal when I put my family down here? What is going on here? You know? 
It's and just a convenient escape, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And 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 in that year, I grew so much, and then I just continued to grow personally, so much so that within a couple of years, and this is sorry, giving you the timeline that led up to that. You know, six years ago. It was about a couple of years into that transformation of developing this new lifestyle, this new outlook on life. Now starting to focus on personal development, not professional development. Cause all through my twenties, everything was all about how do I make more money? How do I be seen as the man? It was all ego, ego, ego mm -hmm. that drove my decisions, which also led to more than likely that lifestyle led to why I've abused alcohol. You know, it's just, it's my, it's me. I'm owning it. It's no one else. It's me. That was my decision. <laughs> my life. I did it. It's okay. It's, but all of a sudden I started going through these changes. My wife and I started to connect on a lot of different levels. We started to, to talk about dreams and visions and things we'd like to do with our kids as they're getting older. My wife always had a passion for travel. Always. I was the one that actually ended her her travel career. And what I mean by that is, you know, we were in her early twenties and, and I locked her in <laughs> so she could stop traveling, started having kids. Right. And uh, she put that, that travel bug on the shelf and, but it was always there. And she always expressed that she'd love to travel as a family one day. And sorry, man, that's my cat. That's going <laughs> yeah. right. Hey, Hey, anyways, uh, he, he yeah. might stop me out in a sec, but, but here we go. So this is where I was at. And, and, I started to realize as you start to grow and you take away some of these crutches, these things that distract us from sometimes looking at our life in detail. You know what I mean? Like it's again, sort of like that mirror moment when I was 14 years old, looking at myself in the mirror being like, I hate you. <laughs> I don't like you. This has got to change. Well, in a way I went through that similar exercise, but more on a spiritual and a mental side of things, you know, where I started to take an inventory of my life and where I was and what I was doing. And, I started to actually ask the big question rather than avoid the question, what do I want for my life? Yeah. You know, what's happiness look like to me? Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, well, let's be fair. A lot of us, and I, I truly mean this. I'm not trying to generalize. I'm, I'm, but I am going to generalize like a lot of specifically, especially men, you know, cause I work with a lot of men and I ask them this question and it's like, they can't recall the last time they gave themselves the space to ask themselves that question. And actually, discover an answer. And sometimes yeah. it's not even discovering an answer. It's just realizing that, oh, I want to do less of what I'm doing now and more of something else. I don't know what that else is, but I know that something has to change. But unless you get to that point and you actually reconcile that idea and come to a conclusion that, yeah, okay, well, I do need to make some changes because I'm not happy with what I'm doing anymore. It's scary as all hell. Okay. I'll tell you right now, the day all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, you know what? I remember having that conversation with my wife and I'm like, I don't think I'm meant to be here anymore. I don't think I want to keep working where I'm working. You know, and now I was a junior partner in the company at this point. I was one of the co-founders of the company. Wow. I mean, I knew the industry really well. I was well known in the industry. And I, I was very comfortable. And all of a sudden thinking that I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I got to make some changes. I had been there seven, almost 17 years at that point. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> you know, like, but I had this list of things I wanted to do. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to do a Ted talk. I wanted to be a full-time dad with my family and travel the world. And all of a sudden I realized all these things that I want, I'm not going to be able to achieve them if I stay on the path that I'm on right now. And so it's like, gosh, That's dude, it, I mean, how many of us get to that point in our lives where it's like, oh, you know, 
I didn't want to be the guy that all of a sudden I'm hitting 50 and I'm thinking back and my wife and I are talking, you know, our kids are, are long gone off to university or done university by that point. And, and we're sitting around thinking, geez, remember when we had that idea in our thirties to just yeah. quit our jobs and go traveling? I really wish we did that. And I don't want that to be my conversation with my wife when I'm 50, you know, I want to be like, Hey, we did it. We learned from it. Whew. Would we do it again? Well, yeah. Hell yeah, I would. <laughs> you know, uh, was it scary? Would you make lots of mistakes? Oh shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them. But man, that's the fun part. That's the fun it, part. It was. It's it not was. scripted. It's not. You know, it's not written down in a process. You yes. you you figure it as you go, and that's exactly right. For exactly. for me, my biggest life change was. So when I met my ex, she already had a baby, and mm-hmm. the baby was like six weeks old. I'm saying, baby, baby. That's real baby. But, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a real baby. <laughs> that's, that's, fresh. that's fresh out of the packet. <laughs> and um, like for me, that was, I was just, I think I just left the military as well. So all of a sudden I've gone from this world of routine and structure to, okay, what's happening? Like, okay, how do I do this? But oh, it, it's that, that's what started my, my thought process of, you know, I I love I'd love to have a big family. I'd love all this. Mm. Like me and my me and my ex, we're not together anymore, but we have a son as well. Um, he's now four, and wow. I tell you, for the last four years, especially with him on the scene, I've I've seen the development in myself. <clears throat> I've I've changed so much about my life because, to your point earlier, you know, I want him to have the most fun, like just everything possible. And each day I go, right, okay, what, what can I do today that's going to be fun for him? But this is where we get lost in that loop. Sometimes we focus so much on everyone else's happiness. And yeah. even even as a child, you know, you're focusing. <laughs> My son's happy with a box, like an empty box, frozen <laughs> stuff in there. If he can make a mess, he's happy. If he can make a noise, he's happy. Uh, but you lose that concept and you think, right, what can I do today that's going to be amazing and blah, blah, blah. You focus all your effort, come to the evening, you're going, actually, what have I done today? I've not really accomplished anything for myself. And then you mm-hmm. you just keep putting it off and off and off. So now my whole lifestyle's changed. I, I don't care for all the fancy things anymore, or I'm not bothered about that. Yeah. I now walk with such a purpose and a confidence that I can go into a room and people do go, you know, it's that whole thing. It's the jealousy thing. They think, who's this idiot? Like he's walking, walking around. Let's let's face it. I can't hide. I'm six foot three and I'm ginger. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hide. Ginger, <laughs> ginger. My wife's a, a ginger, so uh, she, she's uh, absolute hero. Awesome, awesome. awesome. hero. Fans <laughs> of redheads. So I'll tell you, it's, it's that it's it, that whole it thing. Was, it was strawberry blonde last week. Hey, look, <laughs> look, the blonde. Look at the blonde coming through. <sighs> Not grey, blonde. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's that it's that thing now. So because I can go like wherever I go, I'm just happy. I'm happy that my son is healthy and happy, uh, and my you know for better my my daughter. She's not my daughter, but I, I see her as that because I brought her up. So as long as they're happy, what else do you need? Like wh- what else do you need? Your roof over your head, food on the table. That's it. It that's it. Try and yeah. tell a kid. Oh no! You need all this designer stuff. You need to be going to the fanciest places. They're going. 
no, I'd rather eat some chicken nuggets I found down the back of a sofa I hid last week <laughs> than go for a fancy restaurant meal. But it's, it's all it's that fancy stuff isn't for the kid. It's for <clears throat> it's to satisfy this social media influencer world and the likes and you know you go to this you, you get this nice car and everyone's going to like me so much more because i've got a nice it's just we've talked about it a lot it's just nonsense like you, yeah. you see a lot of these social media influences lives are betrayed by uh, happiness and yeah, a lot of them they're just masking despair a lot of them a lot of the time and that they're, they're just chasing likes and it's just um it's not a, it's not a great place to be I, just just touching on couple of the things that you, you mentioned there actually about the drinking buddies like and i think that i can relate to that a little bit because i've got i've got i i don't have a problem with drink i'm just going to say that now <laughs> <laughs> what you do you're a bit of a lightweight just ignore that the, the three bottles, just ignore the three. yeah i'm also a compulsive liar um, but, uh, <laughs> no so I, but i can often go you know there'll be time where i go oh, do you know what? i'm not going to drink for a bit now yeah i'm cool with that but I'll have friends where I'll, they'll be like, are you going to come out tonight? And I'll go, yeah, but I'm going to drive because I'm not drinking. They'll go, oh, I don't come out then. Because <laughs> like, it's like they want you to come out. And, you, you know, if you're less, you're going to go out and drink and be one of the boys, mm. you can't, you can't, you can't be a part of the group. And yeah. it's, it's, it's true what you say, you know, you need to get this. You, you, once you take away those drinking friends, you have to try and find some people that you can talk to and relate to on a, on a, on a different level. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because often a lot of the normalcy in our lives is built around a certain community, you know, a certain community of friends uh, that you're used to seeing and hanging out with. And, and uh, but then, you know, the changes I wanted to make, I just realized that they weren't in a place to be able to support me best with what yeah. I wanted right? Like it wasn't a matter about them. It wasn't ever about them. It was about yeah. what I wanted for me and my family, but more importantly for me. And, yeah. and, uh, I just wish that, you know, you know, some of those relationships could have been maintained, but at the end of the day, I just, I started to find new groups because we all need communities. We, we, we want to belong somewhere, right? Like we, we do want to have that feeling like I really belong here. It's like, not, not like Facebook communities or Facebook groups. Cause we're also used to, well, I'm part of hundreds of groups, but how many of them do you feel like you belong in, you know, like you yeah, belong right. to that community. That's <laughs> what I'm referring to. But when you find that, find yeah. that, 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 that kind of connection, I mean, those people can support, uh, you on your journey while also us it can support them. And, and it's all this mutual benefit of, of being there together to support one another. And, and that's something that I wanted, you know, but cause I didn't have a lot of that. Um, and so my wife and I started to create communities, you know, like, well, if we can't find one, why don't we just create some, start inviting yeah. people that we feel are like-minded to come to those communities and we'll create these new relationships founded on health, yeah. health first, you know, because yeah, if that's your foundation, your foundation's health, and you're always doing things to reinforce that health, then I'm not talking just about the physical. I'm talking about the mental, emotional, mm -hmm. spiritual, like yeah. even financial health, like health in so many other ways. But when you focus on the health of you, your life, mm -hmm. your family, your friends, and everything that matters, you start to realize that some of the decisions that we make, you, you start wondering, why did I want to do that to begin with? Yeah. Well, what was the motivation? And that's what I found was happening for me as I was starting to go through the shift in how I just looked at things, how I interacted with things, like the kind of actions that I would do day to day. Yeah. I started to realize that, you know, it's this change is good, but 
I don't think I can maintain this if I don't get around other people that want similar things. Yeah. You know, and, it, and, and so I needed that. I needed it. So. And it's, it's finding that balance, isn't it? Like, yeah, <clears throat> I talked about before, you know, having that job where I was just weighed down to this. I was doing it because mm. the pay was good and that was it. Yeah. You know, there was no satisfaction. There was no work-life balance. I worked away a lot doing that job. And then sort of I, I left that, started my own business, and that was great. But then I also needed to start looking after me. So mm -hmm. then I, I started doing cycling as my form of exercise. <laughs> and you, you, you touched on it a second ago where you said people say, you know, you just need to exercise and you'll be fine mentally. Yeah. And actually, but what, what I was finding was I was having the exhilaration of the ride was bringing me up here. Yeah. And then as soon as I would stop, I was crashing back down. And I really, I really started to feel some really big lows on the back mm. of that. So then I need I, I then I had to try and find something that I wanted to do, and so I I, I always wanted to write a book, like I, I did. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to write a book, so I've just started writing a, a novel, and oh, that awesome. really helped. You know, that's really helped bring me back to a. I'm doing my exercise, my, my work's great, but my family's brilliant, and I've also got something that I'm doing for myself as well now, um, which actually brings me on to your book, which is a whole life manifesto. Oh, the whole life fitness man. Whole life fitness manifest. I know yes, it is a mouthful. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a book I wrote just at the tail end. It actually didn't come out until a few months after I left my career and made that big change. So it was it was sort of in the works in the background because it took about a year to to get the book, you know, edited and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's right here. <laughs> so I, I love that you're writing a book because I, I think it's I think everyone's got a book in them, yeah. and and <laughs> it, it just it is such a wonderful feeling when you've come to that point. And you're like, whoa, I did this, I created this, you know. It's like, yeah. and it's making a difference. It's impacting people. So it's it, it's oh, I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to hear about it. What what were your what was your motive? Was that the first book you wrote? You ever wrote? Yeah, I, I yeah. like yourself, you know, I know you mentioned blogging and even the fact that you guys are creating this type of content, you know, and these types of conversations and, and the blogs and, and, and just, you know, when you get into that sort of place of creating and specifically creating content that serves, right, it's stuff that makes an impact or a difference for other people, there's something very cathartic about that, like for ourselves as the ones that are creating it. Because I find a lot of times it's that self-accountability that I get just by creating the content that I do. But I always love that. I always, you know, I went to school for like English literature and philosophy as well as some minors in creative writing. So I, I used to love that stuff. But then I got into business. You know, I got into sales. I got into more entrepreneurship. But I, I wanted to maintain some sort of creative outlet. And so I started blogging 14 years ago. You know, my website started, I just used it as something to put up articles, put up workouts, uh, just talk about, well, as someone in the fitness space, people started to, you know, they would know who I was and what I did. And, you know, I'd be at, a, at an event or, or sometimes at a party or whatever. And as soon as people find out you're in the fitness space, everybody wants to talk about what they do or what they're not doing, <laughs> or what they should be doing, right? And, and I would often get people asking me questions. And what I would realize is that I'd get asked the same question quite often. So I, I just became really lazy. And I was like, okay, that's a great question. And so I would work on a response to the individual, but then I would turn it into a blog article. 
Yeah. Because for now, ever moving forward, anytime I heard that question again, here you go, here's a link. <laughs> it was it was sheer laziness uh, of me just answering the same stuff over and over again. I was like, okay, I'm a systems and operations guy. So it was driving me nuts. Anytime I have to repeat something more than once, I'm like, okay, is there a better way to do this? You know, like how do I cut down the time and the energy required for this? And and so that's what I started to learn. But the neat thing was as as I was doing that and creating content, well. You know, I, I didn't have any idea of how the <laughs> online space worked, but I started to learn. And, and you know, you learn things about search engine optimization. You learn about keywords and, and, and how to tag certain things. And, and it just sort of started to pick up steam organically. You know, people started to find my content and and see value. They, they, they would send me a message. Oh, you know, I started doing that exercise, that that you know, workout that you put on there and really loved it. And or I'd have someone say, you know what? I never thought I could I'd run a, a mud run, a mud run. You know, like I love mud runs like like the, the, the Spartans and the Tough Mudders. And yeah. I love that stuff. Right. And uh, I used to always encourage people to try one. Just try one. I like don't don't stress about it. And, and I would support people in getting to that place. And then people would write me like, man, never thought I could do it. And I did it. And I'm so happy. And it was awesome. And so, it, you know, that was sort of what I was constantly doing. But I, I knew I wanted to write a book. So similarly to the feeling that you're having right now, like I just had this this feeling like I really want to create something that has a, that can help people. And, and, and my book teaches people how to manage 2% of their day. So that's you know, 2%, it's 30 minutes of every 24 hours to, to put some focused effort into body, mind, and spirit. And it's 15 minutes of movement with purpose, five minutes of mindful meditation, 10 minutes of personal development, and you commit to doing it every day for 28 days. So it's a four-week cycle. And, and I often have people saying, well, is that all I got to do? I'm like, well, it's the least you should be doing, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's literally, it's a, it's just a, a real simple system to provide people with some great foundation when it comes to healthy living, you know, and uh, I often call it a, a it's sort of a gateway program. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will come that are wanting to get started with something, but they just don't know what to do or how to do it. Sometimes they don't even know why they want to do it. And the book is set up in a way to help them with that to support them. And I even give it away for free on my website. You know, like I, it's, it's not a money thing at all. This is a purpose thing. This is me just trying to make an impact. And, uh, so it's, yeah, it's been great. I've learned a ton through the process and, uh, yeah, I just, I feel really good about putting it out to the world. You know, do you think, you, do you think you'll do more books in the future? Yeah. Yes, actually. It, it's, uh, I've got some, some drafts in the works on a couple other pieces and, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, what it'll ultimately look like, but yeah, I, I am working on something and uh, I, I it, we'll see. Yeah. You, you know, I, I've got something called the 13th month and uh, cause I often have people ask me, you know, like it, when they look back on sort of what I've done, people often say, well, how do you manage everything that you do? You know, like you got all these different things, these different businesses, you know, you got your family, like it just, I have a lot of moving parts in my life. Like we all do. Um, and people often ask, well, how do you do all that? And, and for a long, long time, and it's it's still to today, I still get up at 5 a.m. every day, you know, and uh, for me, it's it's a, it's great. And and I tend to, to, to sleep anywhere from six to seven hours on average. Uh, but what I used to do was with that extra sleep, you know, or, or I should say those extra hours that I often wasn't using with sleep, uh, when you extrapolate out, you know, like if I work on six to seven hours, that, that extra hour to two hours can translate to, to two yeah. to four weeks of productivity in a year. 
Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I yeah. should tell people that's, that was how I do what I do. You know, a lot of the things that I've built outside of life, like alongside of everything else that I do was done with that focused time. Yeah. And uh, we all have access to that. I, yeah. it, it's just having the discipline, isn't it? It's having the discipline in yourself. It is. It is. To do that. To, yeah. Like Marco, yeah. you said at the start, set your, like, your alarm. Do you smack it and go, yes. nah, I'm having another 10 minutes? Or do you go, right, I'm up. Everyone's yeah. still asleep. I can focus on this before That's the right. house wakes up. And I needed that I because, you know, my kids were, you know, guys know what it's like, your dad's too, you know, like it, it's, it's a lot of things to juggle. And yes. uh, I often talk about the struggle with the juggle, you know, that is life and it's very real. We're all dealing with it. And, but it's just learning how to manage oneself, how to, how to block or, or, you know, I hear people always talk about time management. I'm like, nah, forget about time management. Think about commitment management. Yeah. You know, manage your commitments, block your time. And, and like, I'm really big on that. I always block in certain things every week, you know, and, and I got focused, like, you know, family time. I've got focused workout time. I've got focused pr productivity time as a, you know, with reading and writing. Like I, if you don't like, I'm uh, like, I stick with that way. If I don't block it into my calendar, I give myself an ability to, to, to have an out, yeah. to not do it. Yeah. You know, cause often what we pay attention to is, is what we take make take or make time for and, and i find that i have to often do that i have to take it or make it otherwise if i'm just waiting around for it to happen it doesn't usually happen because i'm just like everybody else i'd rather sit down and watch the tv put on netflix like come on man i i want to do that too yeah uh, but you know so it's like how important is some of the things that we want in our life and, and learning how to create the routine to go after those things yeah remove distractions and just go for it yeah, do you yeah. know that, that's where that's where I was a, a couple of a couple of weeks ago. Where we, we when we were in the full lockdown, I found myself. You know, I started the blog, I started the podcast, I've got, um, I started the book. I'm running a business. I'm being a dad, and then I'm trying to do to get trying to get fit. And I was like, okay, so I'm doing all this now. I'm just about managing. What? How do I live outside of lockdown when? the social aspect of your life comes back into play and you can leave the house. How do I manage all this time? And yeah. that, that's been a, not a battle, but a challenge to, to, yeah. to, because I don't want to drop any of what I'm doing. So right. it's how do I, how do I manage, like I say, manage the time effectively to, to put in, to put in that. Maybe I need to get up a little bit earlier. I think that's, <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a two year old, so I'm up at half six every day. But maybe mm. I should get up at five. Do you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. For awesome. I'm going to do it. Five o'clock. If, if you want to get up at five, I can send my son. <laughs> because I don't need to set an alarm when I've got him. Guaranteed, 5 a.m. He's, he's basically in my room. And normally what I get is, is it breakfast time yet? <laughs> and I'll look at the phone. Oh, think, it's so good. Not yet, buddy. Not yet. <laughs> so I'm conscious we've, we've run over a little bit. Are you okay for tell? Do you need to shoot off anytime soon? Oh, I, I got to, uh, you know what? I actually have another 10 minutes. I I, okay. I, I do feel a bit remiss. Normally I, I wouldn't have stuff blocked, but I, I actually do have a commitment I have to yeah. get to. So it's, uh, no, it's no, all I'm, good though. I'm, yeah, no, but so we have run over a little bit. So apologies about that. But I just wanted okay. to ask uh, just a couple of questions really. So sure. with, people, with people that maybe where you were at 14, but obviously as grown ups, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's at that point where they're like, I need to make a change? Like mm. 
what what how do how would you give advice to get somebody started on that? Well, if you're feeling like you need to make a change, I invite you to start thinking about what do you have to do to get to the place where you want to make a change. And and I, I bring that up because I find myself a lot of times thinking, I really need to do this. I ought to do this. <laughs> but it's not until I get to a place where I'm like, I want to do this, you know, and, and you know, I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase Nishi, but, uh, you know, like with the strong enough uh, why we can endure any how. And, and it's sort of that connecting. The easiest way to put this is when you connect your emotional desire for something with the actual action, right? Like it's, it's one thing to think about it. And, and we're really good at just getting really heady, you know, like getting in our own heads and thinking things through and itemizing our lists and setting the plan. Cause I'm usually that kind of guy where I'm like, I need the plan. I can't do it until I've done the plan, you know? And, <laughs> and, and then I'll just put off making the plan. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of just doing one thing, one action that's going to start to get you on that journey of progression, not of perfection, right? So take note of this. You want a journey of progression, not one of perfection, uh, because it's really easy to get stuck and hung up and like, oh, I, I could have done that better, so I won't do it again until I do it just the right way, right? Or, oh, I need to edit that one little thing or, you know, like we're so good at, at pointing fingers to things that aren't going how we envision it. And then we use that as a reason to not continue or to slow our progress. Yeah. So it's taking away all that, like just yeah. giving yourself the permission to just do something and not be so concerned about the results that <laughs> creates by doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't be so tied that you're only doing this because of the result that you feel it's it should be providing you it's yeah. like you know entrepreneurs that just get started in a new business it's like well i thought i'd replace my income in the first week and i'm like uh <laughs> good uh i haven't had that luxury of that experience in my own career uh but but you know what i mean it, it's like you want to make a fitness a change to your health and, and moving your body is one of the factors that's that's very important for just general well-being yeah uh, I, but going to the gym once I, I i haven't met anybody that got all the results in one session you know <laughs> like it, it, but that one session that very first session it's huge it's where everything begins it's the first step as they say on that million mile journey that is our life right like but you got to take that first action and if you're finding it really hard to take the first action, it's probably because you don't have clarity nor confidence. Mm -hmm. So take a step back. If you're unable to get started, this is where starting to ask yourself some questions so you can get clear. Questions are good. You ask the right questions, it forces us to go into that mode of either discovery or creation. And we want to find the answer because we get a nice dopamine hit when we get there, right? Like yeah. it's that we all want the dopamine. We want the adrenaline. We want the dop dopamine. It's a very, very good motivating chemicals that we can tap into pretty much whenever we want. And, and, and so once you've got that clarity, that automatically builds confidence. Mm. Once you have confidence, it's pretty easy to take an action. But the, here's the, the, the thing, the rub. You got to keep, making the action okay yeah. like it's yeah. it's not enough to do it once and just oh well it didn't really work oh well you, you well, know, I, read I, a, yeah, I read a stat that said um 
uh, I can't remember I read this recently, but 65% of new gym memberships last, they last the first month and then they never go back. It's just like new resolutions, right? Like it's similar statistic. Over half of people have formed resolutions by the third week of January. I've already given up. Yeah. Close to 80% of that within the first 60 days. Like, well, why do we keep making this so hard on ourselves? Because I mean, we're conditioned to fail, right? We're used to failure. It's almost like, oh, well, that didn't work. Well, that's okay. I didn't really think it would anyways, right? Like we're so dismissive and quick to just say, oh, well, it didn't work. Oh, well. But you know what? That sucks. Okay. It does not. It, like We're discounting ourselves before we've really given it a chance, given ourselves a chance. And, I, was, um, yeah. I was once told, and it will always stay with me, throughout the military, my military life, I was told by one guy that repetition builds routine. Mm. Now, when you think of it like that, it, it's, it's true. And no matter what yeah. you do in life. It's repetition that builds a routine. So getting up at 5 a.m., if you do it once or twice, yeah, you ain't going to last. But if that becomes repetition and you do it, okay, Monday to Friday, I'm going to get up at 5. Yeah. And then weekends, you know, you flex it. But it's that repetition. It becomes routine to you. Same with workouts, new businesses, new new routines, new new everything. The more you do it, the more you go at it. And if you fail, you fail, but you the biggest thing is what, what do you learn from that fail? Mm. And then you go, okay, I'm going to go at it again because of the repetition and the routine. So try something. It's, so for me, it's like the gym. When I go to the gym, I go, right, this month, I want to work on this muscle part. That's it. Mm. You go into the gym, you go, you go hell for leather. By three weeks, you go, hang on, I look smaller. <laughs> What's going on? Like, that's not right. So you've, you failed somewhere. So then you, you you know, you, you redress it. You think, okay, what am I doing wrong? For me, I used to be very like knuckleheaded. I go, nah, it's not me. It's the, the machines aren't working. The weights aren't right. <laughs> like, the food content's not great. Yeah. But now I ask questions and I ask a lot of questions to your yeah. point. You know, you ask the right questions and all of a sudden you start adjusting that routine. Your new repetition kicks in and then three weeks down the line, four weeks down the line, you see the change, you see the difference. So mm. no matter what you do, I'll always remember repetition builds routine. And that's, that's right. That's it. In fact, I might write a book now. Repetition <laughs> builds routine. I think it would be great. No, you know? I, yeah. Honestly, I, it's, it's so true though. Like in, and, but a lot of times we quit before we've even given it a chance, you know, like yeah. to, to, to start to create. Like, and it does like when you start doing your research, like part of my book, you know, I talk about habit formation because I often get asked people, people ask me, well, how long is it going to take for this just to become normal for me? And I'm like, well, yeah, there, there's no fixed answer. Some people, you know, we see that, that term 21 days or three weeks thrown around yeah. a lot. There's also yeah, people that yeah. say five weeks. And, and, you know, when you look into the actual literature, some of the, the, the documentation and some of the studies, it's closer to like 120 days, you know? So it's like, well, who's right? Well, here's the right answer is we're all different. There's no fixed exactly. number. It doesn't mean like if you're doing it to create a habit, just keep doing it. And just yeah. one day, like for me, you know, it, it was 20 months as that more believable kid where all of a sudden I just, it's where I stopped thinking about things. I just started to do things. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no more thoughts. It was just doing, being. I was just part of my lifestyle. I'd get up, I'd, you know have some water I, I'd go for a, a a cycle or go to the gym you know like I did it just became really just I wasn't thinking about it. I was just doing 
And that's where it really becomes a lifestyle, you know, and, and there's no number. I can't give people a number and say, oh, if you do it for this long, you, you know, like you'll, everything will be changed. Well, it's like, don't worry about that. It's this is why we keep coming back to the journey part, right? Enjoy the journey for the sake of the journey. Don't yeah. worry about it because of the destination. We talk about this with being a dad and, you know, <clears throat> everyone's everyone. I always say they just ignore the outside pressures of people saying to you, well, do this because we did that. Yeah. Or, you know, your kids, my kid did it like this. They like, ignore that because, yeah, they might be wanting to give you some good advice, but every kid is so uniquely different. So what works for you won't work for me. And, you know, it's just about, like you just said, enjoy the ride and just, you know, live, live through it and make sure they're alive at the end. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you, know, the thing about, you know first first lockdown we had over here yeah um you know it, it was all it was all new mm-hmm. but that that time yeah you know, i i absolutely adored that time because i got to see my little boy's personality mm-hmm. i got to see because normally it would be you get up you do the whole breakfast routine you drop them off at school you go to work you pick them up bedtime done yeah you don't get to see them interacting throughout the day so I actually got to see uh, Dexter and Anya, his sister, interact with each other. And the conversations they were having, I was sitting there sometimes just staring at them like, what are you two talking about? Like, this, this is incredible. Like, what's going through your mind? And you start to, you know, you start to see them for them. And mm. like Michael said, everyone's different. Everyone's different. So we speak, we speak about it. it you, can be, you can be told a million times, no, 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 do it this way. It works. <laughs> do it this way. Right. If I try and change anything for my boy, trust me, I'm the first to go. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, it's you just let them develop. Let seriously let them develop. Enjoy it. That's right. And, and you know what? If you're there just to give them love, you know, and, and help them with choosing the right choices. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it's just giving them choice so they can make decisions. So they feel like they're making <laughs> the, the decision on what direction they're headed every day. And I always found that worked really well. It's like, well, you can either have this or this for breakfast. Which one do you want? You know, I and do that. I ask him but when it's the wrong one. I normally, you know, raise the eye. Oh. So I don't have to say anything, but he's empowered enough to go. Yeah. Yeah. I won't have cake for breakfast. I won't. Yeah. Have <laughs> I love porridge. I love porridge. <laughs> Oh, and then I'm like, oh, amazing. Well done. That's such a good. Die, <laughs> <laughs> wrap, wrap it up now, mate. Um, just, sure, what I just, sure. just wanted to say, actually, well, I, I listened to one of your talks you were talking about. Um, I think you were saying you have 26,000 days on earth. And I, and I, I really like that because I was thinking, oh, that's, that's, that's a long time. And then I was, and then I, I was like, oh, I've only got 13,000 left. Like, yeah. that's half, half of it's gone. Yeah, maybe I need to start really put it into context what i want to do and trying to do something with that but no i really like that i really like that talk that you gave on the, the twenty six thousand days that you have <laughs> alive and uh, when you put it like that i think you you said put it on a put it on a piece you put it on a piece of paper didn't you and you were like yeah. imagine that's a countdown on the wall yeah and uh yeah that's exactly that's it like if we were born and the day we came home from the hospital with our parents and they put a clock on the wall and that clock continuously count would count down. We would look at time very differently. We look at our day to day very differently. (laughs) That in essence is what starts from the day we're born, right? Like we're not sure of when that expiration is, when is our next journey begin versus this life. But it's remarkable. We don't often think about it that way, you know, and there's lots of philosophers, lots of psychologists that speak to this, how we like to avoid anything that, that around death. 
You don't want to think about it. Like, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I, I struggle with that conversation a lot, you know, and, and it wasn't until I experienced my father's passing a number of years ago that I really started to reconcile some of my emotions and fears with death. And, and it just started to shift things for me because I, I, when you hit 40, well, actually, I'm going to be 45 this coming fall. You know, you look at the average life expectancy for a human male, right? It's about 79 years. That means I'm, I'm in my last half, you know, like yeah. if we go with just statistics. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, every day it looks like that clock is not counting up anymore. It's counting down. And yeah. it's. So I start to value my decisions, value who I spend time with, who gets my attention, who gets my energy, who do I allow into my life? And it's so strange, but these filters have appeared now because I just value time and I value my energy so much more differently. Do you know? Like it's just that asset, it just keeps getting less and less and less. So the value to me keeps going up and up and up. And, And so you start to, I start to see myself making certain decisions now based on that. And, and you know what? It's been great. Like I, I'm not, I, there's nothing negative about this, but I think the only negative for myself is I wish I, I understood this or I appreciated it a little bit more 10 years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I just, I really do. Um, but that's that freaking cliche that we hear now, right? It's like, Oh, if I only knew, you know, 20 years ago, what I know now, yeah. Yeah. but whatever all i can say is well from now moving forward this is my 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 new way of looking at things right and yeah. uh so i appreciate that you, you you resonated with that it's uh it's not an easy one to, to to reconcile for sure but it's it's gonna happen i mean i hate to say it, it's like that only guarantee that we all got is that, that we're, we're leaving here at some point you know <laughs> so yeah. you know knock on wood it's it's a long time out but uh yeah. you just never know right you just don't know no. Well, listen, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great chatting to you, mate. Yeah, and, um, you. yeah like I said, we and Aidy, we're, we're, we're super excited to get you on. And then, yeah, it's been, it's been a great conversation. So, really, really appreciate you coming on and giving us an hour and a Thank half you. of your time. Thank you. No, I absolutely love it, guys. I love what you're doing. Um, I, I hope we can connect again sometime. I, I'm looking forward to sharing out your podcast to some of my communities, but also uh, I'll send you guys some details on Mentorship Mondays in, in case it ever works. You want to connect with some other UK dads. Uh, they just they meet on Zoom once a week, right? No, just to sort of talk about everything that we've been talking about today. So it's, no, uh, you know what? it's cool. that, that's really useful because actually what I've, what I've been, you know, what I've where I've been, this has been going for like what three months, and you know the the yeah. Facebook page is now up to nearly two thousand pe- people. And, you know, I, I was like, I know we're having these conversations, but I'd like to do something more with that. Like how, like, because I'm talking to a lot of people that have you know com- tried to commit suicide or and they're going through mm-hmm. really horrible times, and it's like, it's great me having these conversations with them, but where can I direct these people to yeah. to actually go and get some help? <laughs> And so that that sort of stuff would be great. So yeah, any information you can send me on that, that'd be amazing. Happy to do so. And uh, listen, I know we're all going to connect again soon. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you for for creating this space. But more importantly, just the content to support a lot of us out there, especially us men, us dads, right? So we are very quick to put our own needs on the back burner, right? We push it off to focus on everybody else. But we, we have to reverse that. We got to look after ourselves, you know, for us to be the best versions of ourselves, best fathers, the, the better husbands, the better dads, the better friends, right? We got to look after us first. And and it's, I know it's a weird thing to say to even reconcile, but man, 
it, it, you guys are leading the way. You're showing what's possible. So, so thank you. And, and I'm honored, absolutely honored to have been here today. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Cheers guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you.